This is Pastor Matt at North Plinko Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, to, today we're going to be firing off Not Another Revelation Podcast. Um, Last week, we stepped out of the book of Revelation and looked at the Olivet Discourse. We said this week we were going to look at Daniel's 70th week. And so if you want to follow along, uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. We're going to be in chapter 9. I read a quote uh, that said, The history of the interpretation of Daniel 9 is a dismal swamp of critical exegesis. And uh, that's James Allen Montgomery, and wow, is that true? Well, and as, there's a lot of those kind of things that saying this th- this passage is is kind of th- this is this is the head of the list in terms of prophecy that you've got to look at, that you've got to interpret, and you've got to see that played out later in terms of like this is one of the most challenging ones that that, that the intellectuals look at because it, it's it's taken and said so many different things oh, sure, yeah. and, and said so many. So if you can, and essentially it boils down to, if you can grasp this one, if you can piece, put those pieces together in, in Daniel and then how those things are played out in, in the gospels and how that's going to, ho- uh, to see how we, how that may best be played out in the revelation and the end times and, and, and things like that. Then this understanding this and the mindset and the, and the things you have to do to, 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 to understand this passage sets a foundation where other biblical problems, He's like, okay, yeah, I see that. Like, gotcha. I, I see yeah. how that folds into everything else. So, it's got everything. Daniel nine has got numerology. It's got it's got angels it's got showing angels. up. It's got uh, it, it really does. It, it, you know, you laugh, you cry. It's a roller coaster for emotion. It absolutely. It's 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 a it's a it's a number one bestseller. So, let's. Okay, so when I was a, a kid, it was really common. Like, whatever happened on the. That week, you know, we we bomb Iran. We something happens. Somebody would point out, well, uh, Nostradamus predicted this happened, <laughs> and it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying. I, I, I probably 13, 14 years old said, I want to read Nostradamus. He's, if, I want to read all this, and found figured out that really he said like three things, and everybody just reinterprets it for whatever's yeah, happening. Yeah. Well, he said that there was a bird that flew, and so that must be the, the plane. There was a bird around that day. And, and so we're, we're not going to allow ourselves the ability to do that. What we're going to do is use our normal exegesis and look at this passage, and then we're going to look at some of the ways that other people have interpreted it through time and uh, because people have used this to say, oh, this is predicting this or this predicted that. Because it's got some math in it, little little difficult math. Well, if you keep you know some stuff that that I've learned since doing the Revelation study and stuff you just learn as you as you not even as a as a minister as a pastor but just as a, a scholar of the word, you learn okay, context is king. What's there is there, and what's not there is not there. Absolutely. And, and there's no and there's no need to, there, there's no need for me to make something up or make, or put something in there that's not there because. Then, then I'm getting, I'm stepping off into a whole different little little box that I don't need to be right. in. And so, what's there is there, and what's not is not, and that's what we go, and that's what we roll with. And if I could make it up as I go along, then the Bible says a whole lot of stuff that's different. <laughs> I mean, you should bring your pastor Reese cups every Sunday. That's right. That's First right. time, no, I'm just. <laughs> I feel the Lord leading this congregation to. So, 
Let, it starts out as a narrative. Actually, the whole thing is a narrative. Yeah. So it's it, Daniel's telling us what happened, and uh, it starts out and says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahurasus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. And typically people start out here getting crazy with their numerology. If we just think about what's going on in the life of Daniel, this makes perfect sense. Okay, so Daniel was captured in 605 BC. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah had said 70 years. You got 70 years. Yeah. In the first year of Darius the king, we're sitting at 586 BC, uh, or at this point that he's writing this, um, we would have been in the uh, the 500s BC. Daniel's working the math out in his mind and thinking, I might be able to go home. Yeah, I mean he he's wanting to know how he's getting close. Yeah, I mean he's an old man. He has been in captivity since 605 BC. The clock has ticked. He wants to go home. Well, yeah, you've seen a lot of his story. You've seen a lot of of what he's. Of the things God has brought him through, you've seen, you know, of course, the lines. Then you've seen Daniel and his friends. You should chatter at me. I mean, you've seen all these things that have been that have been played at him and talked about. And then you know, kind of, it's on. The, it's on. Daniel's kind of on the back nine here. Sure, yeah. So he's he's it starts praying, hey, and he. One of the the commentaries that I read on this uh, said that Daniel would have been very familiar with the law yeah, and would have been very familiar with the fact that God said, I set before you a blessing and a curse, and here's the blessing if you obey me. Here's the curse if you disobey me. Daniel sees that God's curse fell on his people, mm -hmm. and Daniel knows that God's word says, if my people, the Jews, who call on my name, will turn and repent. So the, his prayer that he starts here has a lot of repentance. It starts out in the first part of the prayer, starting in chapter 4, a very worshipful attitude. Uh, I confess, or I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. And then from verse 5 all the way through 11 is just a confession of the national sin and personal sin and him saying, hey, God, you were just in what you did. We sinned. We deserve the curse that you promised us. When we accepted the law at Sinai, I get it. And so uh, from 5 to 11 is him confessing sin. From 11 to 14 is him saying, God, I recognize that what you did was correct, that we needed this. And then 15 through 19 is a plea for mercy. So he's trying to live out what the law says. If you turn back to me, you confess your sin, I will turn and restore your land. He is living out the verses that he read. Then we have something a little strange that happens. So uh, I under, up to verse 20, it is, it's straight narrative. It's easy to understand. It's in our own perspective. I, will, and regularly in my life, will, will read God's word out loud, claim, hey, God, you promised me in your word right here that if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me my sin. Here's my sin. Please mm -hmm. forgive me. Help me overcome it. And I'm I'm trying to live where I see Daniel doing that. You know, and this is one of the for me, like reading this, like this is one of the 
the not necessarily wordiness, but the 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 eloquent nature that that Daniel rose to this, as we talked about a second ago. Daniel's an intellectual guy. Daniel's a smart dude, and, and the the some of the phrasing and the in the in the word usage here in terms of like how he's how he, the praise that he uses for God, and, you know, like in, at the end of uh, of verse fifteen, you know, uh, when Daniel says, "You and at this day we have sinned, but we have done so wickedly." Like yes. it's more like again, like for me, it's like uh, you know, I've, I messed up, I sinned, but then for like, for him to acknowledge, like I messed up like we sinned but i i did it with not not, it wasn't an accident like i did it with an evil with a wicked heart so to kind of get that uh, some more of that 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 uh, just go a little deeper in what daniel's kind of praying here it's a really beautiful prayer it is and a structure there that can be like i like i when going back through this i was like man I, I need to get on my knees and pray a prayer like this more often than i do oh i love and i love like in 19 oh lord hear oh lord forgive oh lord pay attention and act he is if all we had in Daniel chapter 9 was up to verse 19. It's still beautiful. It, it, I would say that this text is a great example about of how a man or woman of God approaches their God, their sin, their reality in the fallen state, and it is a beautiful example of that we need to emulate. And then in verse 20. It's a little, takes, a, takes I, a different little turn. I've never had this happen, and, and you know, I'm 50 years old. Uh, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision in the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. Never had that happen. No. So he's praying, he's confessing his sin, he's caught up in his prayer, and bam, there's Gabriel. Swift flight. Swift flight. I, I, I. I, I, you know, because in sermons I've often made fun of the naked baby angels that yeah, right. we ha- we have around everywhere. Painted, painted up in, in in Rome and Italy and all those. Yeah. Right. So angels are always, uh, almost always, when they show up, they have to go. Whoa! Hey, please don't die. Please, nobody. Everybody, 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 just everybody calm just, down. Yeah, just, just, just chill out. Don't don't be afraid. <laughs> um, we are we have in John. We'll see in Revelation where John at the marriage supper of the Lamb falls down and starts worshiping an angel. Yeah. It's so. Amazing looking to John that he's and the angel has to say, "Dude, I'm created just like you. Get up, don't do that." And, and so, and it's cool. What Daniel says, "Daniel says, yeah, I mean, here shows up Gabriel, and I've I've seen this dude before. Like, I, know, I mean, I know who this guy is. He I said, like, I've, yeah, hey, what's up, man? Like, how are you? <laughs> how's how's it been, yeah. <laughs> dude? Gabriel, <laughs> Gabby, come on in. Um, so evening sacrifice. So it's it's the late evening. He made me understand speaking with me and saying, "Oh, Dan-. so apparently Daniel's a little little freaked out." Uh, rightfully so. Gabriel shows up swiftly. Swiftly. Don't know what that means. I have a vision of the flash in my mind that he's he's there. Gabby, what's up? And he made me understand speaking with me and saying, "Oh, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding." At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I've come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Uh, some people have pointed out that that Gabriel apparently uh, likes to speak in couplets, that he, he says here, uh, consider and understand. He talks about, uh, he, he always ties things together. Um, 
And so, again, right now we're, we are doing straight exegesis just for, for our listeners so that you understand what we mean by exegesis because maybe that's not a word you use every day. There are two ways that you can read your Bible. Exegesis means you're taking from the Word what it says. Eisegesis means I'm bringing to the Word my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was uh, Charles Spurgeon that said, and he's talking to preachers. He says, most preachers think their job is that of a great chef, that their job is to take the meat of the word and season it with your experience and, and, and prepare it so that it's palatable to the, to, the, uh, to the person sitting at the table. But, my friend, you're mistaken. Your job is to be the waiter. Your job is to get the food from the kitchen to the, the patron without messing it up. Mm. And so that's the difference between eisegesis and exegesis. Eisegesis says, I, I'm looking at this, and I want this to say a certain thing. We all do that. We, uh, I think it's uh, R.C. Sproul said, if you ever catch yourself saying, I wish he hadn't worded it quite like that. When you're reading the Bible, there's a problem in your heart. Yeah. So I, I want to avoid me bringing to the plate what I kind of already presuppose. That's eisegesis. So we want to do straight exegesis. And up to this point, again, it's easy. It says what it says. Um, Daniel's praying. He's confessing. We, we look at that. We say, what does that say about God? What does that say about man? How does my life change in the light of it? It means I need to be confessing. Gabriel's showing up. It's a it's straight story. It is what it is. Daniel's praying. Gabriel shows up. Same sort of thing. I look at that, but then we get starting in verse twenty-four with Gabriel's message, and it, it it's uh, it's the, here's where you get into some math. Yeah, it's it's, it's different. And I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of math. Like I I, I I chose a degree path in college that you took uh, one twelve. If I wanted to, uh, to go kind of like if I wanted to to, to, to kind of have a little bit more of a prestigious degree, you took trig, and after that. I was done. Like, it just was not my thing. It frustrated me. It, it just, it, it bugs me. And I ultimately felt like I just was not good. I was not good at it. And it's, it was not, it was not my thing. I'd much rather read and understand and, and, and whatever than count. And then when you started the whole, when we started putting the numbers with the letters, I, it, yeah, it's not, you, I, you lost me. You did. <laughs> well, and, and there's a lot of us that, 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 that struggle with the yeah. mass. Um, I had one of my kids, uh, their third grade teacher thought they would motivate them by if you got the one times one, you know, your, your, your multiplication table. Yeah. If you got up to three, you earned a pizza party. And then after the, the threes, then you started adding the, the fun stuff, right? So you, you could get, if you got to the sevens, you got there's pepperoni. More fun, there, oh, so there's more fun than just a pizza party? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, you get the pizza party, but it's just cheese pizza. Oh, okay. So you got to add pepperoni. Okay. You, you get the drinks. And so uh, I, I won't say her name because I don't want to embarrass her, but her first initials are Molly. Uh, came home, and she's like, you know what? I like cheese pizza, <laughs> and I can bring some water. So I'm done. <laughs> like, well, baby, it doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> You can't just you bail on water. The, you can't just bail on the sevens because you don't like Dr Pepper. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like it. I just don't have, I don't have, I can live without it. I can live without it. So I'm not going to do it. I, I, hey, I like cheese pizza. Well, I'm good. <laughs> Threes are easy. So we get into some math. So let me just let me again trying to do exegesis. Let me read the text and you'll see what we're talking about. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people 
and your holy city, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet. There's a couplet again. Um, and to atone a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming in, uh, to coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. And then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half a week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Really so, clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Wrap it up. So uh, we've got some math here, <laughs> the 70, 70 weeks. So let's just walk through real quick what, the way different people have interpreted this. So there, there are really um, two fundamental ways that most people have tried to interpret the week. So one is that a week is just a symbolic period of time, that it's – that trying to say that it's seven years, um, because you, I found a uh, uh, Clarence Larkin loves him some charts, <laughs> and he loves to 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 do this sort of math. He was a, uh, a Clarence Larkin. I want to say was a draftsman by trade, mm-hmm. and so drawing things out and having this thing that was his thing. So he goes into great detail of of the idea that uh, if you take a year and uh, recognize that a Jewish year is 30 days because it's a lunar calendar. And so, and, and look at it that way, then if you take the time frame that the angel gives um, Daniel and draw it out, you, it takes you directly to the cross. Yeah. I, I mean, he's got it down to, you know, Friday, May 13th at 3.30, Gabriel's word is complete. Mm-hmm. And so uh, some... <clears throat> And the more reformed idea have taken the idea of sevens and said, "Oh, you're taking it too far if you if you're trying to make that li- you're being too literal because um, it's it's really hard to say that Israel was out of uh, that was they were in captivity for exactly seventy years, even yeah. though from the time that Jerusalem fell under Nebuchadnezzar until Zerubbabel completes the temple is exactly seventy years, mm-hmm. and so." I, from destruction to completion, you you come up with seventy years. So I don't think anybody's questioning God. I think that what the those the people in that camp are saying is, is don't get too wrapped around a hub about exactly seventy years because yeah. a the calendar that we use today um, wasn't necessarily ordained by God. It was right. ordained by Julius and then changed up by Gregory. And so settle down, Biggin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it just prophecy typically doesn't work where it's very specific. Right. As we saw in the Olivet Discourse, you had the near and the far. You have um, eras and epochs that are, are defined as Jesus says, hey, if this is happening, you need to go to the fields. And then kind of mid-sentence, he crosses over what clearly is from what's going to happen from Titus to what clearly hasn't happened yet. Right. 
sky hasn't rolled up like a scroll. No, no bloody moon yet. Mm-hmm. So you can't take prophecy and, and necessarily chart it out. And so they're saying um, that this is dealing more with the covenants and dealing more with the arcs of the fact that um, clearly Jesus is coming. This is this is messianic. A Messiah is coming. That Messiah is going to be there in a completed Jerusalem, and for some reason he's going to be cut off. So far we're all tracking with that. I mean, we can see that played out. Um, then it kind of all falls apart because it looks like we, we're back in the world of near and far. Yeah. So the second way that most people look at it, which is kind of the direction where I fall, is um, if you just take this and don't work to make it confusing. Okay. <clears throat> if you're if you've had to whip out your calculator or slide rule, you probably have missed the point because Gabriel is sitting here talking to somebody, and Gabriel's point of talking to Daniel is Daniel clearly sees, I'm ready to go home. And what his need, he needs right now is comfort. Mm-hmm. God has sent that, and he's saying, hey, Daniel, you're worried about your hometown that's been destroyed. God's going to restore that, and he's going to destroy it with, uh, with squares and moat. It's going to be as strong as it ever was. It's going to be uh, lined up. It's going to be a troubled time. It's not going to be, you know, back to the days of David. Yeah. But God's going to restore your city. And so if we look at this through the lens of the original hearer of Gabriel's words, you can feel that Gabriel's trying to, to comfort him. And you get into, um, hey, there, there's anointed one, which, by the way, in Hebrew, anointed one um, is transliterated to Greek to where we get the word Messiah. Yeah. The, a Messiah's coming. And that uh, that Messiah is going to be cut off. And then at that point, the people of the prince who has come shall destroy the city and its sanctuary. Again, we have a nearer fulfillment of that. Jerusalem was completely and utterly destroyed. Yeah. Now, that couldn't have been good news for Daniel because guess what? It's going to happen again. Nebuchadnezzar completely destroyed the city. Not nearly as badly as Titus did, by the way. And then we have, here it's going to be destroyed again. Um, and then I think most people where they get in, into stuff is this first mention of what we'll talk about in Revelation is of the, the tribulation. Yeah. He shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. So here, uh, seven days, we're, we're all the weeks. I Just about everybody agrees that, that each day of the week is, a, is 10 years. So we're talking about seven, uh, for seven years. Yeah. A week is seven years. Um, he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. So the assumption of taking this and trying to overlay this stuff with Revelation is is suggesting that an Antichrist is going to come. It's going to be a new Rome, which is exactly the language that John uses, that he's going to make some kind of worldwide covenant with the world, and all the governments are going to be behind him, again, tracking perfectly with Revelation, at a midpoint of that seven years, uh, things are going to go south. And so he's going to turn on Jerusalem and stop the sacrificial system, from, and they're not going to let the Jews uh, worship any longer. Yeah. Then, uh, on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decree decreed in is poured out in the, on the desolator. 
Jesus references this 70th week when he talks about the the abomination of desolations that we saw that we ended on last week mm-hmm. with the uh, abomination of desolations that we see in the Olivet discourse. Now, historically speaking, the abomination of de- desolation occurred before the Maccabean rebellion when um, the uh, I, th- I believe it's Greek uh, general sacrifices a pig on the altar in the temple. Yeah, and uh, Antiochus, Antiochus, uh, I don't remember his last name has or is, is the rest part of his name is something that I can't can't say. But yeah, that's but that that whole kind of thing starts off that back of being revolt and that kind of and also a lot of people will use in like kind of a a a non-Christological kind of way or I was, I was in studying for this I saw a lot of people kind of use this timeline for that and I don't exactly remember all the all all, all the where it started and where it went to but it was it was that was one of the ones that that was another side of things that people would use to, when they're you know you're not even using any really any of the uh, uh, of the Christological tones that are here which I don't really know how you avoid well you, the, the obviously if you're you're Jewish and don't believe that Jesus is the right, Messiah yeah, yeah, yeah. there there is an, an entire interpretation and commentary on this in the in the Talmud there's there's mm-hmm. discussion mm-hmm. about this and so we, we we know that there are outside of Christianity uh, interpretations of this this is just hard to understand yeah for sure and so I when I caught myself earlier writing out that seven years is 49 plus 434 which would be the the six and then you get that would take us from 457 BC to 27 AD, which is when Jesus' ministry started. Yeah, there, there's lots of ways to take this. Yeah, and there's another one that takes it right, right, right up to. I've, I've seen other the other interpretations that take this right up to Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Yes, uh, I think there's, there's there's this is that, the day that the Lord is made. Right, that, uh, that one. Um, and like you said, the, uh, Anderson's the day, moment, second, and hour that he's crucified. That kind of thing. A uh, lot of different, lot of different, lot of different landing spots here. So, I think that if if we're doing a, a straight exegesis, the first question we need to ask ourselves is, what is the purpose of prophecy? Is prophecy given so that we can uh, sit down with a calendar and and on our to do list and go, okay, so uh, in June of 2021, Jesus is coming back, and so before that happens, I need to go ahead and take care of these things, and um, definitely want want to, you know, not worry about my debt anymore. Yeah. And, and is that why prophecy is given? Um, and I think that we all know that, that that's absolutely not the case, that the purpose of prophecy is so that we see that God knows what he's doing, that God is in control, and that we're to be watching and waiting. Well, and Daniel saw this. In Daniel 2, when he gets the prophecy that the Babylonians will be taken over, well, when Daniel sees the Medo-Persians come in and take that, Daniel has seen this. Daniel has has understood this and seen this uh, of what's going on here in terms of why this is being told to him and kind of, okay, well, if he's saying this, I mean, it's probably going to happen. Because like I said, when he when he had seen, hey, even more people would come in and take over the Babylonians that are, that, that, have, that are over your people right now. I said when that's told to him in Daniel chapter 2, and then you have the Medo-Persians come in, like it's a whole different ballgame. Right. Yeah. And, and so even, like I said, so even Daniel has seen this played out and seen that and see that exact definition come through and what God has said and then what God what God did. So since we know that, I don't know why we spend so much ink and time 
trying to exactly use this like Anderson. Okay, I know exactly when Jesus is going to return. Yeah. Again, like we talked about last week, there there are few things in the Bible clearer than nobody knows the day or the hour. And so that's not the purpose of prophecy. That's not why prophecy is given. And if we look at this and recognize that, A, Gabriel is showing up in response to a confession of sin to say, hey, God's going to do what he said he would do in the law, that he will return and Mm -hmm. restore his people. And so, Daniel, God loves you. He wants you to know that. So we can take that whole this whole text and see that that God's purpose in that regard is completed. Daniel was comforted. Daniel was dealt with. The other thing that we can always take from anything in the Bible, but prophecy as well, is how does this exalt God? How does this um, make much of Him? And we see that this text is telling us that God knows what's going to happen. Absolutely. And that God's got a plan for what happens. And it's within God's plan, even stuff like, I mean, Daniel sitting in captivity in a foreign country, eating weird foods, hearing a foreign language every day, needs to be reminded that, hey, God's still in control. Mm -hmm. His people are going to end up back in Israel. The Messiah is going to come. All of those things that were promised, that David was promised that someone would sit on his throne. I know right now that looks impossible. Yeah. That David's kingship has dwindled down to just one or two dudes who aren't in great position. Mm-hmm. They're sitting at a foreign king's table. But Daniel, God knows what he's doing. Yeah. And this anointed prince is coming. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And we see here what Paul called that great mystery of here you have he's the the anointed is coming but then he's cut off i don't want to speak and say that's the that's really one of the few places in the old testament where we see that but i think that's one of the few places in the old testament that we see that <laughs> you see once again like you had said a second ago a the messiah is going to be cut off and b the city that's been rebuilt and be worked on guess what it's going to be it's going to be rolled over once again i mean and so more of these things happening where uh, again, what's being told Daniel, Daniel, it's going to look, for you now, I know it looks rough. For people later, it's going to look rough, but the Messiah is coming. And here's what I mean when I say that this is God-honoring and shows that he has a plan. I, I was, uh, as I was preparing for this the other day, got uh, then this happens to me. I don't know if this ever happens to you, where I will start out reading about um, Nineveh mm-hmm. and end up, Six hours later, I'm neck deep in a Wikipedia article about you know the 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 way the Babylonians built streets, <laughs> and so I, I had done this, and I was actually reading about uh, the the Mede culture yeah. and how it's completely disappeared. the 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 Jews at this point are a subjugated people under the Medes. Um, my uh, stepfather in law was a Jewish guy. Okay, and. Uh, I've never met a Mede. God promised the the children of Israel that they would continue. Six thousand years into written human history, He's kept that promise. Do you, do you know a Babylonian? Have you met one? Never met a Babylonian. A, 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 a Philistinian? Philist? Is that? I, mean, I don't know if that's never wrong. met a Midianite. Never. The very fact that. 
this semi-arid, not really strategically important land butted up against the Red Sea is still the most contested and fought over piece of property in human history. Need some more people. You want, you want an Ammonite? Not there. I mean, I, 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 I like saying that. It's like you know what? Then we can sit here and talk about that. That's pretty incredible. And again, not for the fact that there's been tons of, you know, cultures of people wiped off the planet. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that 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 has happened just as it has happened throughout time with different cultures and things like that. But for six thousand years, there's still one that's there, and they're still there. If you look at human history, it seems like about every six hundred years, something happens in the human psyche that says, "Okay, everybody shift left." Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really common as you study anthropology or you read that, okay, this people group started out in India and then they went from India to the Turkish subcontinent and they were there for a thousand years and then yeah. they went to Europe. And it, that sort of thing, it's like everybody just kind of shifts around. I can go right now. It was really weird when I went to Israel. and th- This was one of the weirdest things. We're, we're driving along um, – just we were driving from Jerusalem out to the Sea of Galilee, yeah. and we're we're it's an interstate. It felt like I was on fifty nine, right? It's just a modern interstate. You're driving along, and you're looking at the exits, the green exit signs, and it's like Mount Carmel. <laughs> no kidding, and, and you're just like. That is so weird because I can picture the flannel graph of Mount Carmel, you know, and, and Sana up ahead. You're like, like, like how, does, it, how do those things work? And so That's the funny. very fact that these places are still there and God's people are still in that land is a miracle beyond belief. Yeah. The very fact that God sends an angel to tell Daniel, you know what? It's not going to work out the way you want it to, but Jerusalem's going to be Jerusalem. Again, that first part of that of 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 Gabriel's response here is kind of the response to everything that God gives. Hey, just so you know, it's not going to work out exactly how you want it to, but just stop freaking out. You know, <laughs> like, right. stop stop rest, all this. Rest in me. Yeah. I've got a plan. I'm working the plan. So even though, like, how did that, if we're kind of skipping ahead, which I know I am, but going, moving right on to what what does this mean for me today? Or what is God saying to me through this today? That, that There's one. Hey, I know this isn't going to work out like how you want it to or even how you think it might. That's your best guess. So stop. It's like, so right. Stop. Uh, I mean, we could after all this, I mean, we could sit here and have a, and have commentaries and write commentaries or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Stop. I mean, like, there, there's no just that, that, that's that's not the point here. That's not that that's not the end game. Uh, it kind of reminds me of okay. I'm I'm not trying to disparage my mother at all because I love her love her very much so. But whenever I take my dad to the hospital mm-hmm. or to the doctor's office in Birmingham, which is fairly common, I once every every month or so. Dad will ride it. I'll drive. Dad rides in the front seat beside me. My mom rides in the back. And she does not trust my driving ability because I'm her baby. Right. And so she will turn on her uh, navigation device. And so I'll be going along, and, and Siri will say, turn right in one mile. And I'll hear Google Maps in the back say, turn right. And the whole time she's saying, you know, you got to turn up here. And she's looking ahead on the map and she's telling me, hey, and it's like, mom, I've got all the same information you do. (laughs) And I've driven this path many times and I'm driving for a reason. There's a reason why I'm driving. I don't need your help. 
And sometimes when that frustrates me, I kind of laugh at myself and say, don't I do that with God all the time? I'm in the backseat. God knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. He's told me, the end of the game, you win. I'm going to glorify you. You're going to be like Jesus because you will see him as he is. You have raided all of the inheritance of the son. I've got you. I've got this. And then we're driving down the road, and I'm going, hey, God, uh, there's some traffic up ahead. Well, and even more than just where to go, it's what to do while I'm on my way there. You know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Like As I'm on my way, guess what? I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to be doing on my way. I know how I'm supposed to react. I know how I'm supposed to deal with people. I know how I'm supposed to deal with conflict. I know how I'm supposed to love people. So it's not even just, you know, hop in the car and keep going. Like, I know where I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to act, how to deal with things biblically, and God's given us that truth and that word, and yet still it's just usually like, hey, like you said, there's – these this this is in the way. If you could just like, if we could like, you know, detour. God, God like, there's an exit. There's an exit. <laughs> Slow down. There's a rest stop over there. <laughs> exactly. I'm really got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. So here's the deal. God has given us prophecy so that we can sit back and go, wow. Not only does He have control of this ride, but He told us exactly how this was going to play out in broad terms. Just like I, I'm not going to. You know, tell my kids, so here's what, what we're going to do, because that would just freak them out more. Yeah. And so he doesn't give us the details on purpose because we're freaked out enough as it is. If I knew in 2019 what was going to happen in 2020 and 21, I would not have been able to do anything else. Yeah. Oh, here it's coming. It's coming. You'd been, you'd been, it'd have been, what is it? What, uh, not the end timers, but like the like you've got a you've got an underground shelter and you've got you know uh, yes. all, oh, all yeah. the canned uh, doomsday preppers. That's yeah, what it is. Yes. Be a be, I would have be definitely been, a, and I would definitely been. I, and I, no, I know. Know. yeah, you 100 percent would have. They're right, right there in the back of the hill at Glencoe. There'd have been there'd have been a whole exactly. You know, I'd, I'd have been, hundreds of cans of like <laughs> all English the baked all the baked beans in the world, <laughs> exactly. all the canned baked beans in the world. Um, wow, I want to really want to go to a far side that I saw where it's it's. Um, it shows the land, and it's all all these atomic explosions, <laughs> and uh, the la- it's a husband and wife in a bomb shelter, and she's saying, "How many times did I tell you, Merle, that you have to have a can opener? None of these do us any good without a can opener." <laughs> okay, so we have definitely gone down a rabbit hole here. Here's what I'm saying: we have this prophecy. There's some of the things that we can we can see. We, as we see this, the the week, we we can get the, how this overlays with Revelation. I think that when we start doing eisegesis, and I start looking to see, and 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 it's not just me. It's as I look at commentaries, especially commentaries that were written before Israel became a nation. Yeah, it's really common to pull some of the Puritans' commentaries on prophecy, as they explain away Israel could never be a nation again. We know that it's not talking about them. Don't try to take what's going on in your life today, what's going on at the Capitol today, because there's nothing in this text that has an eagle or American flag. Your people speaking to Daniel. (laughs) Daniel was not, not of the red, white, and blue. He was not American. He's not. As Gabriel was talking to Daniel, most of the people who were listening to this were running, your ancestors were running around in the woods in Europe eating each other. Yeah. So settle down. This is to tell us that God is in control, and you here in America can rest in him. 
I don't know how everything's going to work out. I don't know what it's going to look like before the tribulation is going to start. I don't know what's going to happen in between here and there. I don't know if Jesus is coming back before we finish this podcast or whether he's coming back at you know after, after the aliens have landed in 6000 AD. I don't know. But what I do know is that God does know, and he's got me. Yeah, for sure. And again, to see... As we see, as we saw, and and we'll continue to see in the coming weeks in Revelation, the thread line of Jesus continuing to, to, to be sown into the into this the, this biblical into the into the, all the books that make up the Bible, all the truth that is there to see here in Daniel nine, we see again the Messiah coming. You see this everlasting righteousness being brought, this the, the kingdom being brought to uh, being brought to earth, and and seeing all that happen again. You see. Uh, you know, I'm teaching with students in Genesis right now. I see in Genesis everything that we point to. All my application every week has been with that when we taught Adam and Eve and Noah and this week Abraham, the need for a savior and everything else that they would do would still leave them broken and, and hurting. And, and even here, everything that that David would, I mean, that Daniel would experience would still have left him broken and hurting because everything was pointing to the need for a savior. And here, God through Gabriel is saying. He is coming. The Messiah, the answer is coming. And that, and that's amongst a lot of things in here is, and, it, and it's crazy to see how some of these things work out where it's so uh, seemingly complex and, and, and it's made difficult and so much is said about it. And you look at those kind of passages like, you know, how, how, do, I, how do I get an applicable day-to-day kind of thing? From that, like, where does where am I going to pull that from? This seems really over my head and really difficult and hard to chew on. And where do I pull that? But then you you look at this and take this for what's there and not for what's not there, and, and see that essentially God's encouraging Daniel, saying, "Hey, I I know that you don't. That's cool. And rest in me. You know, you've been obedient through so many things. Just keep walking that path. It's going to be fine." Amen. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and close out. Uh, next week, we're going to be picking back. We're going back to the book of Revelation. We'll be uh, picking up in chapter 12. And so until then, go serve your king. Thank you guys again for joining us on this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. You can join us live in person each Sunday at North Linko Baptist Church at 10 a.m. Or you can go to our website, northlinko.org, to watch our live stream or check out our other podcasts, ministry information, past sermons, and past worship service. Thank you guys for tuning in.